Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's our favorite Governor Cuomo clip, the one we really like. That's one I like. And I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, it's fine. Get your hand off my thigh. Oh, how many times? By moving it down and not up. How many times did he put his old man wet, gin-soaked <laughs> breath in someone's ear and say this? And I love you, sweetheart. Oh, and then run, run his hand down the blouse, give you a honk. Oh, gee. What are you doing later? Honey. Creepy. I love you. Captain and I Creepo. love you. Oh, God. He resigned yesterday. Surely you heard that story, and uh, so that's that. He's going to be replaced by somebody way to the left of him, so it's no victory for conservatism or anything like that. One of the more notable moments surrounding the whole flap was when a reporter asked uh, Uncle Joe Biden about the uh, the Cuomo deal. Go ahead with the, uh, the big and the long one. How would you assess his ten and a half years as governor of the state? In terms of his personal behavior or what he's done as a governor? What he's done as a governor. I thought he's done a hell of a job. I thought he's done a hell of a job. And, uh, I mean, both on everything from access to voting to infrastructure to a whole range of things. That's why it's so sad. Can you really say that he has done a, quote, hell of a job if he's accused of sexually harassing no, women? Look, two different questions. The question is, did he do a good job on infrastructure? That was the question. He did. The question was, how did he do as a governor? No, the question was, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, how was he as a governor general? Well, the governor generally, obviously... Outside of his personal behavior. Outside of his personal behavior. Okay. Can you separate the two? No, I'm not. I was asked a specific question. You know, yeah, except you weren't. Uh, uh, a, a younger Joe Biden wouldn't have made that mistake. And I mean like a 65-year-old Joe Biden. He would have realized that yesterday you can't give that answer. You got to say, that, you know, how he'll be remembered for his governing outside of this, you know, is for historians. But as today, all we need to talk about is this is a victory for the Me Too movement. And finally, men in the work. That's the way he needed to go. And right. a, a younger Joe Biden would have known with, with his political instincts that's had him a senator since he was in his 20s. He would have known you. That, that was just a moronic thing to say on the day that the guy gets run out of office. Well, and look, they're cronies, so I get why he said it. But uh, Cuomo had the, all the old people killed. Uh, well, that that overstates it a bit. His policies <laughs> led to the old people being killed. Yeah. And then then he covered it up aggressively which is a crime. He was, and, and this has been a little told story, but it's pretty big in New York. He started this, uh, or continued a rooting out corruption squad, but anytime the rooting out corruption squad got anywhere near his cronies, he would bring the hammer down and terrorize them into not following up on it. So his, his sins are many. He did a terrific job. Great job. That was that was just a, a, a dumb thing to say. And like I said, younger Joe Biden would have known that was a dumb thing to say, which makes me worry about his mental health. I mean, if he, what are you getting into an argument with reporters on the day the scumbag retires about what a good job he did? There's no upside to that, Joe. And you know that. Well, in the whole, well, on voting rights and infrastructure, he did a good job. Now, yesterday, they asked me about infrastructure. Yeah, no, that, no, that 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 no. yeah, that was that was not the, the, yesterday was not the right day to go, get into that. But he's done a hell of a job. 
And uh, I mean, both on everything from access to voting to infrastructure. That's why it's so sad. Oh, is it sad? That's a Mussolini made the trains run on time argument. You, you can't you can't do it. You just can't. No, no, it's just bad politics. And it show it shows how much he's slipped. That's what concerns me. He's slipped since he was 75. Come on. Come on, the thing. Come on, you know you the know, thing. You know the thing. Three things. Number one, the first thing. <laughs> Secondly, you know, it's not a joke. The second one. <laughs> we gotta bring back we gotta have the Dana Carvey handy. We need to run that a lot because that's just so darn good. We ought to do the whole thing. It's yeah, so why good. not? Yeah. Line that up for next segment. Why not? Come on, a little mirth for the love of heaven. Yeah, for crying out loud. Um, I wanted to reread this tweet that I read earlier because I think it's true. It's from Andy McCarthy of the uh, National Review. Dear GOP, with Republicans aiding and embedding the left spendorama fundamental transformation in the United States and the southern border being overwhelmed, I'd respectfully suggest that Chris Cuomo is not the issue right now or Andrew Cuomo or any of that stuff. Right. And, uh... You know, so, hey, hey, Fox News, hey, other Republicans, you see, hey, there's some really big things happening. Can we can we pay attention to those and not the soap opera of a governor in a state? You know, I was rearranging books the other day and um, and I, I had uh, Dewey Decimal? Mark, Mark Leibovich's uh, by length. I have them arranged by huh. length now, huh. shortest to longest. Uh, so I feel how ambitious I am and then go to that part of the shelf. But anyway, uh, I had Mark Leibovich's This Town in my hand. I haven't read it in years, but actually the opening of the book and one of the main points of the book is to what extent Washington, D.C. runs on who's on TV, who's famous, who's a big name, who's recognizable. I mean, it's it's pathetic. It's very much like a high school where you dare not challenge the, the, the hot cheerleader girl because she's popular and I think it's gotten worse since he wrote that book. I, I mean, love you. And I love you. I love you. Do we have any of that stuff I was looking for where where he started? He was trying to get all eloquent to, like, recapture some sort of political future. Oh, which, I mean, the, the ink wasn't dry on his quitting notice when Chuck Todd tried to rehabilitate him on MSNBC. But, um... Uh, he, he tried to get grandiloquent, and he was talking about the, the lady in the harbor and her promises, New York. I love New York, and I love you. Oh, it was just terrible. His whiny tone and his self-service. And, oh. We have some of that. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Please remember that lesson. Hold it dear and hold it up high for this nation to see because it is New York State at her finest, creating her legacy, fulfilling her destiny, giving life and animation to the lady in the harbor, saying, Excelsior, we can be better, we can reach higher, and proclaiming e pluribus unum, out of many one. Unity, community, love. That is our founding premise and our enduring promise. And that is the salvation of this nation that it so desperately needs to hear. I had lost the thread Thank a while you. back. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, he went up to the lady in the harbor and stuck his tongue in her ear and grabbed her hoot. <laughs> Excelsior, full of crap. Huh? 
New York, huh? New York Post headline, Italian-Americans mad at Cuomo for dismissing creepy behavior as cultural. Yeah, I'm an Italian, and Italians are touching. Hey, hey, I'm Italian, too. I don't stick my hand down the blouse of my secretary and grab her boob because I'm Italian, all right? So don't don't blame it on being Italian, you pervo. I love you. And I love you, sweetheart. Oh, so white. Darling. Why is Honey. Why is Frosty the Snowman hitting on me? <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Mobster uh, Frosty. <laughs> Excelsior. I'll make you a deal you can't refuse. You know, I mentioned Chuck Todd. Nice Play the family end. you got there. Shame if something happened to it. Now he's, now he's Homer Simpson. <laughs> Play the Julius Caesar haircutted idiot Chuck Todd, 42. We know the way our world works. Um, it's amazing. The people we've seen make political comebacks. Uh, you know, you can't ever rule it out. He eventually did something that was that that maybe over time will at least give him an opening to, oh, Maybe, you know, not be a full pariah in the party, say, in, in, in three years, four years, five years. I expect in my lifetime, Andrew Cuomo to probably run for office again. What that office is, what? I don't know. But that's what this resignation tells me today. No. God bless you. No. Yeah, <laughs> and I love you. And I love God. you. Darling. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> Oh, He's an boy. old school Italian. Come on. I kissed a woman on the cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Women like having their backs stroked by guys they're not intimate with. Old men. All, oh, all women love that and the hand that brushes against their side just casually. Women react well to that. We can Please. be better. We can reach higher. Darling. What is that whiny, <laughs> half-cry tone that he has? Maybe the lady in the harbor turned him down. He's heartbroken. Back when everybody was gaga over him and they were homosexuals, as they're called, and talking about him being president, and he won an Emmy and all that crap. That was right after they were talking about Michael Avenatti being president, but go on, yes? Because they, they, they wanted to hold him up as, look, this is how what leadership looks like during COVID, and then they, they were claiming Trump looked like something else. But I only tuned in because I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then a couple times I tuned in, he sounded like a, a, a half-crying simpleton. I mean, I, I couldn't understand the appeal. Could you? Trump derangements. It always seemed weird to me. And we have COVID, and he'd put up a chart, and as you see here, and it just all, what? What's going on here? And then it turned out he was lying and, and then destroyed documents to cover up the fact that he killed old people, slapping fannies and killing grannies. COVID 19, that's what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Excelsior. <laughs> Michael, you cannot play those too much. Just keep them coming. I Please. love you. And um, I love you. Target might pay for college for your kid. Or you if you go to work for Target. Pretty cool. You ought to mention that to you. Situation in Afghanistan continues to get at work, uh, get worse. And Joe Biden was asked about that yesterday. And I thought his answer was coherent and interesting. Um, uh, I don't know if you agree with it or not. A bunch of other stuff we got to get to. Our text line, because I'd like to hear what you think on anything. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Excelsior! <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Overnight, the Taliban seizing control of more key cities in Afghanistan as U.S. troops start to finish their withdrawal, ending America's longest war. The militants with at least nine major battlefield victories in less than a week as they advance at bewildering speed. The extremists reported to be fighting together with Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups. The Biden administration insisting government forces have the training and numbers to hold back their advance. Yeah, more on that in just a second. But how about that? The reporting is now that the Taliban is fighting alongside Al-Qaeda. I mean, so it's not just a rumor or what if Al-Qaeda reconstitutes and comes back to Afghanistan. They're fighting side by side. And as they come over the hills, they send somebody into town and say, hey, we're about to come and take over the town. And the city leaders all say, hey, come on in. We will not put up a fight. And they lay all their guns in the middle of the town square and the Taliban rolls in. And that's the way it's happening right now. And for the first time yesterday, I came across an article where they're actually talking about, can they defend Kabul? Hmm. Yeah. So the whole country just completely falling in like a week. I don't remember who it was in the administration. Yesterday we had the clip, but they they said, look, it's their country. It's their fight now, which I think is a perfectly reasonable thing to say. We're about to hear that from uh, Joe Biden. President Biden says he will not change his Afghanistan withdrawal strategy and that Afghans have to fight for themselves. In his words, this comes amid fresh warnings to Taliban leaders in Afghanistan. U.S. envoy Zal Khalizad says they risk becoming global pariahs for any military takeover of the capital of Kabul, even though as the Taliban is advancing. Hilarious. More on that in a second. And here's Joe Biden on it. They've got to fight for themselves, fight for their nation. The United States... I'll insist we continue to keep the commitments we made, but they've got to want to fight. We're going to continue to keep our commitment, but I do not regret my decision. Uh, yeah, the, the question was, do you regret your decision? No, that's their country and they got to fight for it. How about that comment from uh, from the Biden people of uh, they're, they're going to become international prize? What, what, what is that? Oh, my that? God. What is yeah, that? Yeah, because the, the Taliban, they're all about cocktail parties in Manhattan after the U.N. meeting. Oh, no. People are going to think badly of us. Seriously? We might not get a seat at the Oscars. Yeah, I know. I had some of the crap that's said in, in politics and international relations. Just, just, I don't get why people bother. I don't know. It's part of the dance, I guess. We're going to run this country as a, uh, a men's only uh Opium, opia, opia, hmm. opium-driven economy where women and children are raped regularly, like we did before, and you're not going to do anything about it. For so, a thousand years. You interrupted us for like 18 years. Who cares? Sorry you think we're pariahs. Yeah. Really weird. Um, but I think even people who expected this to happen weren't expecting it to happen this fast i would agree i do wonder if anybody seriously meant we've trained up the afghan forces we think they're capable of standing on their own i mean why did you bother with that stuff i don't quite get that but no i would agree the fact that it is i mean it could be like a week and a half Mm -hmm. until the country doesn't exist yeah, and um, I saw somebody from the administration once again talking about uh, the, the, the talks at the table, getting back into peace talks at the table, and, <laughs> and somebody replying to that, what table are you talking about? What peace talks are you discussing? They don't even have that in the back of their minds. 
Right. They're just going to roll over the town and do whatever the hell they want, or the whole country and do whatever the hell they want. Obviously. It's on TV. You look at it. I'm looking at it right now. It's on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another humanitarian tragedy. Again, if, if, if you're one of those people who feels like we have to do something about it, we broke it, so we bought it, blah, blah, blah. I recommend you do a little reading about the civil war in Ethiopia. I mean, if you want to rescue humans from misery, we could go there if you like, or, you know, there are a dozen more. All of North Korea. Um, well, right. Yeah. Uh, I, one thing about lefties and diplomacy is why they think speeches are so powerful. I don't know where they come up with this idea. You know, John Kerry, when Putin went into uh, into uh, Crimea and Ukraine, this is a 20th century action in a 21st century world. He's still there. What, what makes you people think that your words, they'll be pariahs if they do this. What makes you think your words carry any weight? How I just think a it's child. a... I've about remaining in the upper echelons, remaining as part of the elite. And you give a good speech like that, you get a lot of high fives, you get interviewed, you get a book deal, you get a professorial gig at a university, you stay elite. Boy, it seems uh, like a childlike view of the world. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tonight, November 8, 1978, live from the NBC studios in Burbank, California, it's Dick Clark's Live Wednesday. Starring Milton Berle, Steve Allen, David Steinberg, a birthday salute to Mickey Mouse, Illusionist Moloch, a salute to 15 years of the Rolling Stones hits, a visit with Piggy Lee, special guest star Aretha Franklin, with a special appearance by Tom Jones. Well, wow, this is star-studded. So there's a visit with Vicky Lee, I'm there. <laughs> That's a hell of a show for a Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday Live with Dick Clark. Dick <laughs> Clark calls, you say yes. I don't remember that show. You know, I was trying to figure out the, the rough date of that, but 15 years of hits with the Rolling Stones. Well, okay, that, that helps. Well, it was so. 1978. But they said right you know. at the beginning, yeah, the date. Oh, the date. I wasn't paying attention. That was the opening to the thing. It was? Yeah, play the very opening for you. Tonight, November 8, 1978. Yeah, so well, that's kinda, funny. Kind of nailed it. There was. Who does that? Well, I guess we do. Well, they thought they had a giant new hit on their hand, and they wanted, like, let's commemorate it, because oh. this is the beginning of something that's going to be around, like, bandstand forever. Dick Clark's Wednesday Live. Yeah. Right. With an invitation for Vicki Lee, whoever that is. Well, and the illusionist Morlock, or whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> the tribute to Mickey Mouse. Yeah, but you got Aretha, you got Tom Jones, you got the Orlock, and the, and the others. Milton Berle. Milton Berle. <laughs> Something for everybody. So this is unintentionally, I don't know if it's funny, it's strange and ironic. It illustrates one of the great truths of the whole anti-racist movement, but I'll just read it to you and then we'll talk about it. In a statement published by the Shelf Awareness blog Monday, I believe that is a play on words, Shelf Awareness. American Booksellers Association CEO Allison Hill apologized for an incident in which Candace Owens' blackout was accidentally featured and promoted. Oh, 
Wow. Yeah, what's and it gets stranger. Uh, the apologize blah 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 was accidentally featured in lieu of a social justice oriented book with the same title by Danielle Clayton and other authors. An employee subbing for the employee who is normally responsible for curating the best seller list, Hill said, unknowingly selected the wrong cover image for the book. I just was on Candace Owens' uh, Twitter feed yesterday and thought, how many uh, followers she have? She's got like three million followers. She's mm-hmm. hugely. Uh, successful with a certain segment. So the idea that she would have a hit book, of course she would. Well, a second employee new to copy editing also failed to cross-check the photo and recognize the error before mailing the list out to members. Apologizing for the employee's mishap, Hill, the boss, wrote, it was a terrible mistake with terrible racist implications. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You promoted one black gal's book instead of another black gal's book. I didn't see the Let racist thing. Let me read that thing. sentence again. I didn't see the racist thing coming. I thought it was just going to be all, we apologize for having anything right of center displayed at our bookstore as opposed to the usual lefty stuff. It was a mistake. We got the wrong black author. It was a terrible mistake with terrible racist implications. However, based on our investigation and the demonstrated diversity, equity, and inclusion commitment of these individuals, we have no reason to believe the action was malicious and intense. Wow, that's a lot of uh, words for we put the wrong book out there. Yeah, wow. Oh, wait, there's more. The employees are very apologetic and very committed to vigilance going forward. They have been held accountable and have agreed to training. Uh, both on procedures as well as on DEI. Okay, That's diversity, started. equity, and inclusion. I'm going to start the training. Is everybody ready? Make sure you get the right book out there on the display. End of training. Yeah, sometimes there's two books with the same title. Make sure you got the right one. <laughs> I guess training. now we get lunch. <laughs> So they've been held accountable, have agreed to training on procedures and DEI, and we've added layers of checks and balances to this process. Unbelievable. Oh, here's another terrible mistake that had to be apologized for. Coinciding with the time of the blackout mistake was another event in which Abigail Schreier's Irreversible Damage, which is an important and valuable book, was included in a box mailing to 750 eligible bookstores, eliciting outrage from ABA leaders and members. In her Monday apology, Hill also clarified the details around that book's shipment, which an earlier ABA statement called a serious, violent incident. The left is in charge of in a, in a essentially book banning. Yes. Oh, the 100%. left is. To Isn't that send... something you're supposed to be proud of? Is like all kinds of different points of view. I see the sign in your yard. Whoever moves next to me, no matter your color, race, creed, religion, I, you are my friend. Isn't that what you're, you're always claiming? No. Well, that's what they claim, yeah. But So, again, to send out Abigail Schreier's book was a serious violent incident that's just that whole speech is violence and violence is speech nonsense but and this is far left yahoo news writes the premise of irreversible damage is that there is a social contagion effect of young girls rushing into invasive transition surgeries and medical interventions for gender dysphoria that they are likely to regret later to to even acknowledge the existence of that book and send it out is a serious, violent incident. And what's especially interesting about this is this is one of the leading publishing associations that is so aggressively and enthusiastically endorsing censorship. 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it really is. It really is. I didn't think I'd ever see anything like this. Wow. Um, How much further down the road do we go? Like, is this the end of the pendulum swing or a dot on the continuum toward uh, narrowing the the books that are allowed to be in a bookstore? Yeah, that's just crazy. You know, the whole it's racist, it's violent, and some of you are hip to this. Um, some of you are not, but it's like if some if somebody walked into the Ibram X. Kendi walked into our studio and said, all right, it's my radio show now. And we said, well, who are you? Get out. And he said, you're a racist. Now, Jack and I would say, you're a crackpot, and we're going to punch you in the head. Get out of here. <laughs> or call security or whatever. <laughs> but a lot of people would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean I'm a racist? I'm not a racist. Is keeping you out of the studio racist? Well, then come into the studio because they're weak-minded or full of white guilt or whatever. And then maybe you'd, you'd test them. you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. In what way is keeping you from invading our show racist? He'd say, well, the entire system of talk radio is racist. You have systemic racism. So you defending your talk show is racist racist and again if we were weak-minded jackasses we'd say oh well i guess we you gotta come in and you can take over the show but but we wouldn't so and it's that it's that uh the transactional they don't think you're a racist or at least a lot of them don't they just know by calling you that they will get what they want it's as simple as that but the fact that uh, to get back to the story publishing associations are now such uh enthusiastic censors is is unbelievable in fact uh, they they say themselves, publishers pay the American Booksellers Association to include titles in the box that they send it out to eligible bookstores. Until now, no one has ever reviewed or screened the titles submitted by publishers. It's been a pay-to-play program. The policy did not review or screen titles, blah, 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 but now we're going to start doing it. Well, because we've crafted a society where people would uh, say... Uh, uh, you know, start a campaign to not go to that bookstore because they allowed Candace Owens' book in there or the book questioning trans surgery for children. Uh, if they allowed that book, it would become a, there'd become a campaign to don't go to that bookstore. Right. Boycott right. that bookstore. And they're so scared of that. One more layer of hypocrisy, if you can stand it. In the meantime, Hill, this woman who runs the the, the fascists of the left, uh, Booksellers Association, said that the September box will be reviewed for acceptability by a team that will escalate a problematic book. Catch all the wacky jargon. It will escalate a problematic book that fits the United Nations criteria for hate speech to senior staff at the organization. The UN's definition of hate speech is, and I quote, any kind of communication in speech, writing, or behavior that attacks or uses pejorative or discriminatory language with a reference to a person or a group on the basis of who they are. Can you think of any examples of that? All the anti-racist stuff? Everything Robin DiAngelo's ever written, all of that stuff that groups white people in a, in a single group as bad people by your by the definition you've chosen, all that stuff, which is the opposite. It's racist. These people are nuts. Uh, are we supposed to do our commercial, Michael? Right, Simply Safe. After Simply Safe, I want to tell you about. They think they found the Trojan horse. The Trojan Horse. The Trojan Horse of uh, of mythology. Well, it's not mythology. It's real. It actually happened. Uh, on that in a second. But first to tell you about Simply Safe. you know, crime is up everywhere. And um, if you want a home security sy- system, 
I used to picture home security systems as being very complicated because I've known people that had them that hardly ever used them because it's just so many menus and buttons. Error 7 in D12. What does that even mean? <laughs> Simply safe is simple to set up, simple to use, and it's the best, according to a whole bunch of people evaluate these sort of things, just the best security system you can get. And they have great people to help you be safe and feel safe during a fire, for instance. Uh-oh, fire, burglary, medical emergency, or even when you're setting up the system. Good, folks. And as our listeners, you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system. Get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize your system. Start protecting your home and family. Feel safe. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If this is an actual horse, you know, an equine, an animal ridden by a Trojan, I'm going to feel defrauded. No, it's the Trojan horse of uh, that you've heard about, probably. The Trojan horse that was used to seize Troy and win the war. The story was prominently featured in uh, Virgil's writings. It goes way back to 1000 B.C., who was this Troy, and why did they want to seize him? Historians have suggested that the horse was an analogy for a war machine or natural disaster, but this would lead us to believe that it was an actual uh, actual wooden horse that was rolled into the... I didn't know Troy was in Turkey. I couldn't have told you that. Was he on vacation? Troy's the name of a town. It's not a, it's not a particular person named Troy. I just wondered how many of those I'd have to throw at you before you finally... Uh, well, Arche- Archaeologists who claimed they had unearthed remnants of the legendary Trojan horse in Turkey have now found significant evidence that further supports their claim. Excavating in the hills of Turkey, they discovered a large wooden structure that they believe are the remains of the Trojan horse, including dozens of fur planks and beams up to 15 meters long and assembled in a strange form. Was it perhaps horse-shaped? The carbon dating and other tests suggested uh, goes back to about 1200 BC. So they think they found it. This seems Excelsior. crazy. Excelsior! Excelsior! <laughs> I agree. Uh, it, it seems kind of odd, but it would help explain why the story has endured so long if they kept it around and, you know, people came to see it and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, I suppose. Uh, one more story I'll jam in real quick. Hackers have stolen more than $600 million worth of cryptocurrency, which is likely the biggest cryptocurrency theft ever. It's got to be one of the biggest thefts ever, period, doesn't it? $600 million? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Poly Network, a platform allowing users to transfer tokens between different blockchains, um, said in a preliminary investigation, hackers exploited a vulnerability somehow, something I don't understand, for hacking in. Anyway, and grabbed $600 million worth of crypto. Wow. That is a, a big heist. Man, if they get away with that, whoo, you almost got to tip your cat to those, cap to those people. Now, I'm curious, and, and I don't have the beginning of the uh, capability of answering my own question, but my understanding of the blockchain is that it's a publicly uh, observable, uh, it's, it's a record of every single transaction that's ever happened. So if all of a sudden somebody has $100 million worth of Bitcoin and no trail? It's the ultimate traceable money. I would think. About, yeah, I thought that was one of the advantages of it. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe you know. Text line 415-295-KFTC. One more note on Afghanistan when we come back. Things are changing so fast in this story. What White House officials are saying secretly, according to Axios. That next. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Join us Labor Day weekend at the Kyle Pie in the Sky Hot Air Balloon Festival in Kyle, Texas. Enjoy over 25 hot air balloons, live music, a Guinness World Record attempt at the most people named Kyle, a pie cafe, and more. Tickets are available at KyleTXPieInTheSky.com. Finally, a gathering of Kyle's. Didn't we have something like that recently? Gathering of Sean's or... They did Josh's Taylor, as well. Oh, the Josh gathering where they oh, had yeah, a... It was a giant battle royale, right? Yeah, and I was disappointed they they awarded... They, they were going to fight it out to see who was the best Josh, and they ended up awarding it to a little kid. Oh, isn't that sweet and wholesome? I wanted blood. I wanted to drain in the middle of a room, and the toughest, <laughs> the toughest Josh walks out of there. Wow. I guess wow. The, the record is 2,300 guys named Ivan. Oh, you know, okay. I was just... Uh, 2,300 Ivans. I was just decrying censorship, but if there's a record for the most Kyles gathered, it's time to end the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Uh, I wish I'd have come across this a little bit earlier when I did my feature on Afghanistan. You, This is the latest um, reporting from the Washington Post and Jonathan Swan at Axios and stuff like that. Listen to this, will you? U.S. officials warned Taliban could seize Kabul in weeks. That's the nation's capital, if you haven't been following the whole Afghanistan story for the last 20 years. U.S. officials have warned that the Taliban could seize Kabul in as little as a couple of weeks amid the American troop withdrawal from Afghanistan. The speed of the Taliban's blitz, which has seen them gain control of at least two-thirds of the country in a matter of weeks, has stunned U.S. intelligence officials, multiple reports say. This is from the Washington Post. Biden's administration had previously estimated Kabul could be overrun in six to 12 months, but now fear it could be in weeks. They weren't telling us that. No. <laughs> the Biden people behind the scenes believed Kabul could hold on for six months, maybe a year. So all this crap about we've trained them up, they've got 3,000 strong, and we've trillions of dollars, and they're perfectly capable. I mean, what are you going to say? <laughs> Pull out and say, they don't have a chance. I give them six months. Of course, you wouldn't say that, but... No, no. Um, everything is moving in the wrong direction, another source said. Nine of Afghanistan's provincial capitals have been overrun by the Taliban in recent days. Remember when we came on the air Monday? It, on Friday, we said two. We came on the air Monday morning, four. Now it's nine of the capitals have been overrun, um, and they think Kabul in a couple of weeks. Uh, Biden said on Tuesday he didn't regret his decision. We played that for you. We spent a trillion dollars. They're well-equipped and well-equipped and well-trained. I, I believe that they, they outnumbered the Taliban. They can hold on. Behind the scenes, however, according to Axios, U.S. officials have been saying they have little confidence in Afghan security forces' ability to prevent the country's complete collapse. How wow. about that? That's wow. new information. That yeah. the Biden people believe the entire country, including the capital, will fall in six months. And I'll bet you that's what the Trump people believed, too. And that's why Pompeo was saying that fanciful stuff about we're going to get out and they're well trained. And they would the Taliban promised they wouldn't work with Al Qaeda. So all is good. Anyway, we're leaving Afghanistan. You know, I don't appreciate getting lied to. I, I don't, don't appreciate spin, although I, I get I get why it's important in warfare sometimes. But I think the attitude was, look. If we talk up how they're strong, and they are the strong horse, which is a thing in, you know, Arab culture, uh, the, the Afghan government can do it. They're the winners. If we talk that up, they got a one in ten chance. If we say, I don't think they could do it, they got a zero in ten chance. So I think they talked big. How about that? Plus, you don't want to own the failure. You want to say, oh, we had them trained up. I don't know what happened. 
it was going fine when I left. <laughs> but, but if the result ends up being Kabul fall, falls three weeks after we pull out, before we're even done pulling out, what were we doing all those years? Oh, holding that off, I guess. I know. I know. I mean, there are paper tigers. Then there are like soaking wet tissue tigers i mean what's right what's weaker than paper uh, that's astounding poor uh, people of afghanistan uh, sucks it's just, for them just, just stop trying to establish jeffersonian democracies in parts of the world that have zero interest in them or not centuries of structure for it like we did before we started ours that's true we had centuries of english common law that, that virtually everybody agreed on before we even gave it a hack. Yeah. Man, oh, man. What a failure. That is absolutely amazing. You know, if you served, especially training Afghan troops, what's your reaction to this? You surprised? You're not surprised? Uh, email your thoughts. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll feature them tomorrow. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.